What's going on, coaches? You're tuned in to keep your pads down, a.k.a. the best part of your Tuesday. And this is episode number 130. So, hey, wherever you're listening across this great land of ours, thank you for checking us out. If you're new to the podcast, I'm your host. My name is Ty Taylor. I'm a high school football coach in Texarkana, Texas. And this is our third season of Keep Your Pads Down, a podcast that's traditionally devoted to the defensive line. So, whether you're a defensive line coach or just stumbled on us by accident when looking for another true crime podcast, well, hey, either way, we're excited to have you along for the ride today because I'm really, really pumped about today's show because uh, we get to sit down with University of Oregon assistant strength coach uh, for football, Coach Shad Williams. And we'll get to Coach Williams here in a few moments. But first, I got to tell you about our two sponsors for this season of KYPD, but the first being our friends at Go Edit Graphics. GoEdit Graphics allows any coach to create custom graphics from their library of templates in a matter of minutes by changing the colors, text, and images to make it your own. They offer categories like game day, scoring, player profiles, and communication, just to name a few. The platform is easy, it's affordable, and no design skills are needed. GoEdit Graphics is a great way to showcase all your sports and athletes, and subscriptions are for 12 months and include unlimited graphics. Also, if you check out our Twitter feed today and see the graphic that we posted, with this episode link for Coach Williams, that entire graphic was created by me in just a few minutes with GoEdit. It, it was really simple. I picked my template uh, and then the pictures that I wanted to use. I changed the colors and the text I wanted the graphic to say and look like. And in just a few minutes, bam, I'm done. So the process is super easy and it's user-friendly. And like always, mention keep your pads down when you're ordering and receive $25 off your showcase yearly package. Highlight your athletes with custom-made graphics in less than two minutes. With go edit graphics. Next up, coaches, you are no doubt doing things this spring to better yourself as a coach. Maybe uh, you're reading some books, going and, and visiting other coaching staffs, uh, maybe attending some clinics, or you might even be listening to podcasts like this one. Well, those are all great, but you should also do what I do and head over to our coaching network, create an account, and have access to quality live clinics going off just about every week, all of which are added to a library that can be accessed at any time. There are actually no new clinics scheduled for this week, but starting Monday, April 18th, you can hear a clinic on both D-line and O-line play. So get on over there today and create your account. Subscriptions are super affordable. You can even sign up for a free week and you can cancel at any time. Start connecting with and learning from coaches all across the country today with our coaching network. Okay, now back to the reason why you tuned in today. Like I said, I'm thrilled to be talking with Coach Williams and know you enjoy hearing from him. As I mentioned uh, already, Coach is, is currently the assistant strength coach for football at the University of Oregon, where he has spent the last four seasons helping the Ducks to a Pac-12 championship and a Rose Bowl victory during that time. Uh, prior to his time in Eugene, Coach Williams served in the same capacity at the University of Wisconsin. Andrews, Texas native, started his coaching career at his high school alma mater after an impressive playing career. A running back at Alabama, Coach Williams led the SEC in rushing as a senior in 2003 by racking up 1,367 yards and scoring 14 touchdowns. He ran for 921 yards and five scores as a junior for the Crimson Tide, averaging 7.1 yards per carry. Coach began his college career playing at Texas Tech, where he was named the Big 12 Offensive Freshman of the Year in 1999 after rushing for 658 yards and seven touchdowns. Signed by the Buffalo Bills as an undrafted free agent in 2004, Coach Williams enjoyed a four-year NFL career before he also playing with the Florida Tuskers and Omaha Nighthawks of the United Football League. Today, Coach Williams and I talk about his West Texas roots, his playing career, and what the Ducks have been doing in the weight room this offseason. 
He also shares his favorite auxiliary list for O-line and D-linemen. And then we close out talking some football with the former NFL running back. Now, also in my conversation today, you'll hear me reference Jeremy Hickman, who uh, is a former guest on this podcast. Uh, he uh, and, and Coach Williams grew up playing against each other uh, in high school and, and even as far back as Little League. So because of that connection, I wanted to make sure that uh, he had the opportunity to hop on and, and talk with, with Coach Williams today. So when you hear me reference Jeremy, that's who I'm talking about. He is currently the um, defensive coordinator and assistant head coach there at New Braunfels Canyon High School in New Braunfels, Texas. And a big reason why I was able to get Coach Williams on the podcast today. Look, it is immediately obvious when talking with Coach Williams that he is as genuine as they come and a guy with a ton of energy and passion for what he does. And I know you'll be able to feel that coming through in our conversation today. So let's get to it. Here is Coach Shad Williams on episode number 130 of KYPD. All right, Coach Williams, let me say it's an honor to welcome on the pride of Andrews, Texas, on the podcast. Coming to us today all the way from Eugene, Oregon, Coach, so welcome to the podcast. Hey, man, appreciate you having me on, man. I know you probably could ask a, a whole lot of different people to be on this podcast with you, so the fact that you asked me, man, is very humbling, so I appreciate it. Well, um, we have, uh, I got m- my buddy, uh, Jeremy Hickman, uh, he's he's sitting back in the background, kind of listening to this conversation. He'll, I'm sure he'll he'll uh, he'll pop in here here in a few minutes and have some things to say as we go along today. But we, uh, I, I felt like I kind of already knew you because he he told us a lot of Shad Williams stories. Uh, him and uh, another guy we coached with who was from Andrews, Brent Neal. I don't know if that name sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah, yep. Um, they would they would kind of we get to we watch and film on Saturdays. You know how it goes and. You've been oh, yeah. up there for a few hours and, and, uh, you know, you get to talking and, and, um, and so we would, they would tell plenty of, of Shad Williams stories. So I've kind of, uh, followed your career from afar for the last several years. And so we're going to talk about that today and jump into that. But first there is a, there's a lot to, uh, to unpack as far as your days as a player and just, just growing mm-hmm. up. So let's, let's start there. Um, yeah. talk to us about growing up in Andrews and, and what that was like. Uh, man, so Andrews is a small West Texas town, uh, probably about 10,000 people. Um, so I was born and raised there, um, grew up playing sports there. And uh, yeah, man, just, you know, got started playing at an early age. I played, you know, just about everything, basketball, football, baseball. I mean, I just tried to do whatever I can just to, you know, I just love playing sports. And uh you know, as as time kind of started going along, going along, I, I fell and started falling more and more in love with football. Um, that's just kind of the path that I that I ended up taking. Um, you know, once I got out of high school. So, who do you uh, when when you I'm you know West Texas, especially when when you were growing up, uh, mm-hmm. was was really the hotbed of of Texas high school football. You know, now it's that's that's kind of shifted back. Maybe more to the Metroplex, right? Um, but when you're when you're coming through, I mean, that's when you got like Roy Williams, Cedric Benson, yeah, yeah. you know those those guys out there. Yeah. And 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 you know when when people think of old school Texas high school football, that's they think of West Texas. So, 
was football something that was it was just a given that you were going to play or how were you introduced to the game of football? Yeah, I mean, you know, just growing up, I mean, you got the whole Friday night lights deal. So I used to stay up when I was little. I used to stay up late at night and watch the reruns of the, of the Permian games on TV. And um, I just, man, I just I just fell in love with it, man. I just always had a vision that, you know, I, I wanted to play football and I wanted to be a superstar playing football. Um, and so, and it's just like you said, you know, back when, you know, when me and Jeremy were in high school, man, like you, you know, you named some of those guys, you had, you know, Roy Williams, Cedric Benson, um, like, you know, people forget Eric Winston, I mean, played out there, uh, Rex Richards, um, played admittedly as well. And I mean, you got some, you know, some other unbelievable athletes that have come out of there. Uh, Bradley Marquez has come, you know, came from Odessa. Um, so, I mean, just the amount of athletes that have come just from that small area, um, I think kind of tells you how how important and how big football really was out in West Texas. I'm going to let Jeremy uh, pop in here in a second and kind of give his uh, his perspective on, I know you guys, you know, faced off against each other a few times when you were younger, but when was it when you first realized, hey, I'm uh, I'm pretty good at this football stuff? I mean, I don't know if I ever, if there was ever a moment that, that I thought to myself, like, man, I'm good enough to do this just because I was always, I always felt like I wanted to get better. There was always something that I was chasing. So I was never really satisfied or I never really got to a point, I think, ever in my career where I was ever like, oh, yeah, man, I'm pretty good at this. Like, um, just because there was always that drive and that hunger to be better. And there was something that I was always constantly chasing. And, uh, you know, as I, you know, as I started going up levels, like from high school to college and then from college to the pros, like I wasn't the biggest, I wasn't the fastest. So there was definitely always something that I was chasing in that regard as well, because I mean, I was always, I was like the smallest guy out there. So I was, I always had that hunger. I always had that drive and I was always chasing something and I never, ever, had ever I never felt like I've arrived as a football player um, just because I just I just felt like there was always so much more that I could work on and there was so much more football for me to learn and, and grow as a football player and so I, I never I was just never satisfied and never felt like oh man I'm I'm great at playing football I got you well so since you're too humble to uh, brag on yourself this is where I'll, this is where I'll let Jeremy come in and uh, maybe share some of his uh, his stories that he has on you. So well, on, before he start, before he start, before he starts in on his stories, like me and Jeremy, been we started battling like when we were like seven, eight, nine, ten years old, and we battled all the way through high school and football and baseball. And I mean, it was just it was just a constant battle every time we played those guys. I mean, it was intense and. Uh, Hickman was a fierce competitor, man. Like, and we we talked trash to each other. We probably really didn't like each other a whole lot in high school. Um, respected the heck out of each other, but just fierce competitors, man. We had some some great battles, some great competitions. I mean, some of my most fond sports memories in high school um, were playing against Fort Stockton, just because the games were always so intense, so competitive. And uh, yeah, so before he's he starts on his rant. I'm gonna tell you that Hick was a Hick was a pretty good athlete as well and a very good competitor. And um, 
you know, he, he brought out the best in me, man. I mean, like, you know, we probably brought out the best of each other, in each other just because we knew every time we played against each other, we knew what it was going to be. We knew it was going to be a battle. Uh, we knew it was going to be competitive. Um, so, yeah, so um, one of those guys that you don't like playing against, but you respect the heck out of. So that's yeah. that's yeah. how I felt about hitting. For sure. All right, Jeremy, here's uh, here's your uh, here's your chance to, um, you know, let these guys know a little bit about who they're talking to since he's not going to toot his own horn. What uh, what do you remember <laughs> about about playing against uh, Shad back in the day? First off, just to even be mentioned in the same sentence as Shad is, is not even fair to him. That's not even close to no. the amount of competitor that, that Shad was. But I, he was – it was somebody that we kind of heard of early in our careers just like playing around the West Texas area. But he came to a Little League game, little tournament we had over there and hit like six home runs in a game. And it was just an unbelievable feat of strength. I was just like, my gosh, this guy's unbelievable. He had another teammate, August Lewis, who hit yep. – he had a bunch of home runs that time too, and they they had an unbelievable class of kids that that his the nineteen ninety year the nineteen ninety nine class it was unbelievable. But Shad, the first time we ever played against him was in, that I remember was eighth grade, and they beat us. They we never lost. We never beat them. We never beat them. Uh, but he beat us like a drum, offensively and defensively. We couldn't tackle him. I just remember that I was like, this is a special athlete. This is somebody that is 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 going to be something. And and as things go, as the years go on, he ends up breaking the state rushing record, which I think you still have. I'm not sure against us as a sophomore. Uh, it, it was like, I mean, we couldn't stop him. We couldn't stop him. I think he rushed for 450 some yards, which is not very good uh, on our end. It's embarrassing. Uh, but he went on to do some great things. Not only was he a great athlete uh, in football, but he was an excellent basketball player, ran track, played baseball. He got drafted. Uh, they won state in 1999 baseball. They were just uh, just a, a great class, but, you know, he was always the, the catalyst of that. Uh, but always very humble and, and just very fierce, just a fierce look in his eyes. I mean, I remember uh, in Fort Stockton, our baseball field had a huge center field. And we were winning two to one going into the last inning and shot top of the seventh. It's a two or three run homer. I can't remember. It was a two run homer. and We lose three to two. It's like we can't. I mean, if we lose three to two, he hits a bomb over center field. And we just never could beat him. Just never could beat them. Uh, as in, but it was just, a, you know, an amazing feat to see shot. And then to watch him go on to Texas Tech and go on to Alabama, win Big 12 freshman of the year. And do all of that stuff that he did, and I've even watched him when he came back and played for the Drillers, I think, and and did all of that going through his coaching career and has kind of gone through that. But you know the the stuff that he has uh, displayed has been with honor, character, and integrity, and uh, does things the right way. You won't find a more fierce competitor. And it, it, and when you when you suit up against Shad, you better be ready because you're fixing to go against a dude. You're fixing to go against a dude. And it was just a – I've never seen anything like it. It's just like yeah. I told Ty, I've never seen an athlete like that in my life. Never seen an athlete like that in my life. Still haven't to this day. Well, and, and 
Shad, you may want to uh, consider hiring Jeremy as like your personal hype guy, you know, no like, doubt, you know, no the, doubt. The, when the I walk guys, into the restaurant, he's got to go in before me. And get that's right. Up. That's right. Yeah. That, <laughs> that might be something y'all may need to talk to when we get done with this, <laughs> no. but let's, let's, let's go back to uh, when you were playing in high school. Um, what was your recruiting process like at that time? Because things were a lot different. This is 1999, 2000, somewhere around there. Right. Yeah. Um, so this was, you know, uh, the recruiting landscape was a lot different than it is now. So what yeah. was that like and what ultimately led you to, to decide on Texas Tech? Oh, man, it was it was crazy. Um, and and I, I really didn't know what to expect. Um, kind of going into that whole thing, kind of um, we went to a couple of camps like my sophomore, junior year. We always went to the tech camp. Um, I think one year we went to the OU camp. So I, I wasn't really sure what to expect, but like my junior year, you know, things kind of started picking up. And my high school coach, um, Coach Letby, you know, kind of pulls me in the office and he's like, hey, look, you're going to have the opportunity to play at the next level if you choose to. And, you know, kind of set me down and kind of told me how it was going to go. Now, back then it was different. Like I, you didn't have the huddle. You didn't have everything on social media. Um, so. Coaches really had to come out and find you. So coaches were like coming, like coming to the school. Um, so in the beginning, um, a lot of the coaches would come to the school because they didn't, they wanted to see what they were seeing on film. They wanted to see what I looked like in person. I can't tell you how many college coaches came and I would get called out of class to go walk somewhere just so a college coach could see me walk by just because he wanted to see how big I was. Um, I'll never forget. Um, a coach from Notre Dame came to the high school and I'm, I'm sitting in class and they came and told me that, you know, somebody needed me in the office. So I'm walking and I see him standing behind this pillar. He's not really trying to hide, but I, he doesn't really want me to see him. So he's standing behind the pillar. So I go in the office, I kind of hand him my slip and uh, they had no idea what to, like what story to make up. So they pulled out some keys out of a drawer and they were like, Hey, somebody told me that you lost your keys to your truck. Are these your keys? And I was like, uh, nah, my keys are in my backpack. And they were like, oh, okay, okay, you can go back to class. Well, come to find out that guy I wanted to see, he wanted to size, he was trying to size me up. Like he had seen the film. He wanted to really see how big I was. And that, I can't tell you how many college coaches came to school and, you know, just wanted to see like what this guy was doing on tape, you know, like how big was he acting. Um, so it was crazy. I mean, like uh, Michigan, Texas, uh, Miami, like, I mean, it, it was just crazy. Like, uh, you know, all the power five school, Nebraska was, you know, was rocking back at that time. Um, so, yeah, man, they were just, you know, they were coming to school just about every day. There was a there was a college recruiter there. Um, sometimes you, I think my junior year, I couldn't talk to him, but like getting closer to my senior year or something like that. You could talk to him. And um, this is a funny story. One time, um, I guess we're not supposed, I'm not supposed to have contact, um, but this, uh, this coach from Texas, we're sitting in Coach Levy's office and he's talking to Coach Levy while I'm sitting in the office. So he's not directly talking to me. He's talking to Coach Levy the whole time. So he's, he's telling Coach Levy, he's like, Coach Levy, can you tell Coach Shaw that we really want him to come be a Longhorn? We think he fit good. And what we want to do. And so Coach Levy's got <laughs> I'm sitting in the office and like again, he's not talking to me. It's like, 
and you know he took his uh I think he had like a Big Twelve uh, they were the Big or they might have been the Big Twelve back then took his ring off he's like we well, you know can you show this to Sean to Coach Levy hands me his Big Twelve championship ring I look at him like wow that's nice hand it back to him um so it was just stuff like that man just like you know I you hear about all these crazy recruiting stories going on now but like um, my recruiting process was was pretty wild there for a little bit. Um, and ultimately, oh, I'm sorry, I got sidetracked. And ultimately, uh, what led me to Tech, it was close to home. Um, we had been there. Uh, we always went to that passing camp every summer. So I knew all the coaches there, like Coach Dykes, you know, Coach Winder. Um, so I, I knew all those coaches there. I had a great relationship with them. And like I said, it was close to home. My family, my friends could come watch me play. So um, that's why I ultimately chose Texas Tech coming out of high school. Well, I might have my years mixed up here, but I know you came in under Dykes. So was it the coaching transition that led you or made you want to make the the move to, to Bama, just the, yeah, the switch in yeah. offenses? Yeah, so uh, I had Spike Dykes my freshman year. Then he retired and Coach Leach came in. I played a year under Leach and just kind of, you know, kind of seen the writing on the wall. Like, you know, I wasn't really going to play much. Um, so I transferred. And how I got to Alabama is, when I came out of high school, Dennis Franchoni was at TCU, and he recruited me to go to TCU. Obviously, I didn't go. Well, he had just got the job, I guess, like the December or whatever at Alabama before I was about to transfer. And so that's, you know, they, he got back in on the recruiting process and uh, took a visit out to Alabama, and, you know, the rest is history. Yeah, so you uh, you obviously have a very successful collegiate career, um, and and I'm sure Jeremy's got your stats memorized. We could we could get him back on and have him read those off if we wanted to, but we'll skip that. We'll skip that. Let's skip that. Let's skip yeah, that. yeah, we'll skip, skip that, that part. That. I know that makes you uncomfortable. So now, as you're as you're playing college football, um, you know everybody, you know, especially you know kids when they're young, they just automatically assume like, hey, I'm going to go and I'm the next step NFL. And for you, that actually did happen. Uh, you you signed a, a a free agent deal uh, coming out of college. So, what was that process like and that step like? And and just talk to us about that a little bit. Uh, yeah, another uh, another crazy process as well, man. Uh, so, um, obviously, I didn't get drafted. So, you know, after college, I go to the combine, and I'm there with, you know, Roy. I'm I'm there with all these like amazing athletes. Uh, at the combine and it's just it's just crazy man it's just like a meat market they're pulling on you um they're tugging on you like you're up early in the morning you're doing interviews you go back to bed late at night you got to wake up and do it all over again um so it's a crazy process you know they're coming to work you out at your school uh, stuff like that so you know the draft comes around I don't get drafted um my running back coach in Buffalo Eric Studentsville calls me uh, like in the sixth round, he said, hey, uh, if there's a, you know, there's a possibility you might not get drafted, you know, I'd like to get you here in Buffalo. I think you'd have a chance to make the roster. Uh, so a couple other teams called, but I ultimately landed, you know, on Buffalo because I'd already talked to Coach Studentsville at the Combine as well. We had sat down and had a good conversation at the, at the Combine. So uh, go to Buffalo, man. I'm like seventh on the depth chart. I mean, like, and, you know, they got Willis McGahee there. Uh, Travis Henry had just come off the Pro Bowl. Um, they got, like, 
two or three other running backs. Um, and, you know, the odds were really stacked against me, man. I mean, like I said, I was like seventh on the depth chart. But, man, I just put my head down, man, and I just worked. And, like every rep I got, like I treated it like it was literally like the last rep that I was ever going to take. And uh, just learned the playbook and ultimately ended up making a roster, man. I stuck around for four years um, and, you know, just just never stopped working. You know, again, you know, going back to, you know, I was talking about like feeling like you arrived. Like I never felt like I, I arrived because, I mean, I was an undrafted free agent, man. So like literally every day was like, was like game day for me because when you're an undrafted free agent, man, like they can cut you whenever. And they're looking to cut you. They're, they're, I mean, they're, every day they're looking to find somebody to replace you. And, you know, that's what I try to tell cats, you know, now going at the, you know, thinking it, you know, this, it's sweet in the NFL. Like, nah, man, it's it's cutthroat. Like, they draft you, but they're out. They're looking to replace you. They're looking to replace you. So, I had that. I had that in my head, and I had that chip on my shoulder literally every day that I was there, man. So, I think that's how I made it. What was your uh, What's your best like your your welcome to the NFL moment? You know, like maybe it's going Ooh. against uh, uh, some of those nah, guys on I the defense. Or... I, I got you. I got you. Uh, so, you know, make the squad. You know, find out I make the fifty three man roster and all that stuff. So we go out to practice, and I'm like the scout team running back. I'm like the third running back, so I got to run scout team. And man, we run. I'm obviously I'm we're running the other team's offense. So we run a run play. It's like inside dog. And to kill spikes, nobody touches him. Nobody even puts a finger on him. And he comes straight downhill, running full speed, and he and he caught me right here. Like, split my chin strap. I was like, man, I want to go home. Like, this might not be for me. Uh, but that was, that was my welcome to the NFL moment right there. Like, this is the real deal. Did, did he help you up at least, or did he just kind of walk oh, off? Oh, no, 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 no. There was none of that. None of that. Not, not, there's no helping rookies up. There's no, there was none of that. <laughs> so you, you play four years in the NFL um, and ha- obviously have a really solid career there. Was coaching something you knew you wanted to get into when you got done playing, and h- how did that come about? Uh, actually, man, I said that I, I never wanted to get into coaching because I – I, I would always think back to some of the knuckleheads that I played with that just made it co- tough for my coaches. But um, it just it, it really kind of happened by accident, you know. Um, the the place that I trained at um, in the offseason when I played in Buffalo, some high school kids trained there. And, you know, it just started with, you know, one kid asked me, like, hey, man, can we go to the park and you just kind of show me some drills? And I was like, yeah. And then, you know, the next time he comes back, he brings a friend and then they bring two friends. And then, you know, before you know it, there's like 10 cats out there and we're just, you know, we're just going through drills and stuff. And I'm loving it. They're not paying me anything. I'm, I'm just going out there and it, we're just having, it, it was fun. And that's, that's kind of how it started. So I went back talking to my college strength coaches and they were like, well, you can do this. You, well, I've always liked working out. I've always liked being in the weight room. And so they were like, you can do this for a living. And so I kind of looked into it, got my certifications, and 
know, here I am. I know you started out at, at, at your old high school at Andrews there yeah. um, before making the jump to college. So what was that like? And then how did you make that jump from being at Andrews to, I believe it was Wisconsin. Is that, is that correct? Right. It's funny. So the superintendent at Andrews now, um, Coach Zong, he, when I was in high school, he, he coached at Andrews. And so once he got back, Andrews as the superintendent, I'd run into him a couple of times and I'd just come visit my parents and he'd always be like, you, you know, you ready to come back and be a Mustang? You know, you're ready. And I'm like, ah, you know, like, because in my head, I was never, ever going to move back to Andrews. Like, I was just never going to go back. And uh, he just kept, he just kept working me every time he'd see me. Like, you know, like, hey, you, you want you ready to come back yet? And I'm like, nah. Well, then, you know, about the time that I uh, I started working with those kids. Um, he asked me one more time, and it it wasn't a definite no this time. It was kind of like ah, I'm not maybe not right now. And then he asked me like one more time. He was like, "Look, we're going to create this position for it, have a strength coach be over all sports at the high school. You know, I think it'd be a good position for you." So I jumped at it. I said, "Well, you know, it keeps coming up." So I might as well entertain it. So I did it and it was awesome. It was fun. I was working with um, boys and girls athletics. Um, and it, and man, and it, it was fun. I had a blast um, just being around those kids every day, just seeing them grow. Just, you know, I don't have to tell you guys because you guys get to experience it every day. But, you know, just seeing those guys grow and then when you see kids like be successful, that and knowing that you had a small part in it was just, I mean, it was almost like a high, man. Like I, I just, and, it, and I just constantly, and, and once I got my first taste of it, I was, I was hooked and I was just chasing it and, and I, and I thrived on it. And it was amazing. It was an amazing experience. I was there three and a half years and it was so much fun, man. Just working with those kids and then just being back in my hometown and, and, you know, being, you know, being back and being a part of a community, a part of the community. And then, you know, some of the guys that I played with were on the coaching staff, you know, so it was just awesome to be on a coaching staff with guys that I played with that, you know, you know, now we're giving back and we're pouring back into those kids. And uh, it was, it was an amazing experience. So you're there and then you make the move. I think, I think that's a considerable jump and has to be a huge culture shock for you to go from, Andrews, Texas, to uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Madison, so Wisconsin. Talk, yeah. talk about how that how that came about. Well, it, it's funny. It's I always you know tell people like you know like don't burn bridges. Like you know be good to people because you never know when your paths are going to cross. And I can't tell you how many times like how many times that's helped me get to where I am. Um, so I knew I wanted to be at the collegiate level. So I started sending my resume out to every division one, division two school, you know, just trying to get into, you know, trying to get a foot in the door of strength conditioning. Um, there's only one person that emailed me back and it was uh, Coach Kalaji, who was the head strength coach at Wisconsin. And turns out just from comparing some notes or whatever, we actually played against each other um, when we were in the league. You know, I think he was with the Vikings at one point when we played against him when I was in Buffalo. Um, but I was in Buffalo with a Wisconsin legend, a guy by the name of Jim Leonard, who is like 
Wisconsin Badger royalty, right? So I was with him in Buffalo. So he's on he's on the staff. He's on the staff of Wisconsin at this time. So, you know, Coach Kalaji gets my resume and he just walks upstairs and asks Jim, he's like, hey, did you play with this, play with this guy in Buffalo? And Jim was like, oh shot. I, I played with him in Buffalo. Like, man, he's a good dude, great teammate. Like he he did, you know, he cared about the team, you know, wasn't a selfish guy at all. He's like, if you get the chance to hire him, you should hire him. Um, and so that's kind of how that went. Like, you know, he didn't have a spot at the time when I talked to him. Um, you know, we just chopped it up on the phone, talked a little bit. Fast forward, like two months later, one of his guys leaves. Like the guy's uh, wife is having a baby and he wants to get out of strength conditioning. And uh, he calls me. He's like, hey, I got a spot open, you know, if you want it. He's like, I don't know how much I'll be able to pay you. I was like, I don't care. Like, I'll do it. And so that's kind of how that happened. That's how I ended up in Madison, Wisconsin. So I packed up my packed up my car and, and drove to Madison. And so now you've been uh, at, at you're at Wisconsin, and now you've been at Oregon four years. Is that correct? Yeah, four. This is going to yeah, be my fifth year. Okay. Yep. So looking back on that on that on that career, what have been some highlights from both of those places uh, up to this point? Ah, uh, man. So playing in the Orange Bowl. 2017, I think it was in Wisconsin. Um, that was awesome. Um, just you know, winning the Orange Bowl in Miami, um, and play, I mean, and got to see Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor was there. Was a freshman when I was there. And that is like that dude is special. Like you know, that dude was gonna be special the first day he stepped on campus. Um, so I'd have to, you know, so you know, being around guys like him. Um, winning the Orange Bowl, and then here, uh, I'd have to say winning the Pac-12 championship and winning the Rose Bowl. Um, very, very memorable moments in my coaching career. I just really rank up there high. Like, I mean, just, I, you know, just like when you're a kid in Andrews, Texas, and, you know, West Texas, like, you don't think you'll let, you don't think that stuff's possible. Like, you know what I mean? And then, I walked out in, in 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 the Rose Bowl, like you know, before the game, and I'm just looking up, and I'm just like, man, like this is this is crazy. Like I'm not supposed to be here, you know what I mean? And it's just like it it just it just makes you think back to like where you you know where you came from and you know where you grew up, and you know you just start thinking about like all the hard work and you know all the all the things you did to, to that got you to this point, and it's just. Man, it's just a humbling experience, and it's just like some some lifelong some lifelong memories, man. Yeah, I can I I can't imagine um, that that's that's got to just be one of those things that every every few weeks I'm sure you're pinching yourself when uh, you walk into the facilities there and you're working with these guys and just getting to do what you do every day, um, you know, doing something that you love. And so now let's talk about your job specifically at Oregon. Uh, yep. You you are. Uh, <laughs> Like you, you're you're a holdover from the from the previous staff, mm -hmm. uh, and you had, um, I think everybody was 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 familiar when you when you they thought about Oregon and Oregon strength and uh, remembered Coach Feld, the dude with the uh, who never wore sleeves and he had the mustache. Yeah. I noticed yeah. I noticed you didn't you didn't pick up the uh, mustache trend. Uh, no, there. my yeah, my facial hair grows <laughs> terrible, so I, I was not about to pick up on the mustache. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I know we did the uh, when we were in Kerrville, when I was in Kerrville with Jeremy, we did the fill the sleeves challenge a couple yeah. years, and um, 
we actually made it where it was one of those things first with our staff. And that was a lot of fun because um, mm-hmm. we'd send videos of each other. And I'll, I won't say all the videos we sent to each other, but uh, we sent some videos of each other, you know, like we'd be on vacation, you know, crushing curls with whatever we had, you know. Um, and uh, and then we got to where we did it with our kids and we'd go in there after practice every day. And uh, each coach would take a different day and like kind of come up with the workout for that day. Yeah. And they'd get in there and crush their hundred buys and tries, you know, once they walked off the field, like when they'd be in there in their pads, getting it real quick. And then, you know, we even did it on game days. And so, yeah. um, again, uh, we, we kind of have been following y'all for a little while, but, uh, what's the transition like been for, for from coach Feld to coach love who came over from Ole Miss? What have y'all's your main points of emphasis been for your athletes this spring? Uh, I think the main difference uh, is with Coach Love, we do a lot of unilateral training, uh, especially in regards to lower body. So we do a lot of single leg squats, split uh, split squats. Um, uh, he's real big on that. And I love it. Um, all right, we've seen a, a big improvement in our kids. Um, they're running faster. Um, they're changing direction. Um, it's gotten better. The A-cell acceleration, deceleration has gotten so much better. Um, so I really think that's really kind of one of the big, the big uh, sticking points or, or one of the big keys that is different from Coach Bell um, to Coach Love is that Coach Love is real big on unilateral uh, training, uh, lower body wallet. Talk about what that entails and flesh that out a little bit when you talk about unilateral training. What's that look like on a day-to-day basis? What are some things you're hitting? How are you incorporating that? Well, so yeah, so like unilateral training. So we're doing like a like a single leg, so a rear foot elevated split squat. Um, we're doing a lot of that, and we're and, and we're doing it hand supported. So what we'll we'll do, we'll have some handles, and we'll we we do it all with uh, safety bars. Uh, so you got the safety bar on, you got your hands on the handle, and um, and you're loading that bad boy up. I mean, you, you're putting some weight on there, and it's heavy. Um, and you know, granted the volume's low, but. Um, you're doing that. You're doing split squats with the same position uh, with the safety bar, hands on handle, um, and you know you're doing it like that. Uh, lunges, um, you know we we do some lunges. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's basically how it goes. As you when you look at look at your off uh, off season, you meet as a I'm sure, I'm sure as you meet as a staff, and you're kind of planning mm-hmm. out. You know, hey, we got spring ball at this date. We got yeah. um, you know spring break at this date and then we got it we got we got exams here and the kids are gonna be gone like how do you structure your off season um to to you know fit, address all of those those things and and uh you know what's your off season how's it broken down into segments and how are you structuring so um so before we got into spring ball i think and we're different because we're on what's called quarters and i'll probably start talking a different language to you guys we're on quarters and normally High schools, university are on semesters, and we're on quarters. So basically, all I can relate it to is our we're our guys are in school uh, longer than everybody else, and their their semesters or what you want to call it are shorter. It's not, I don't know. I think it's six weeks or whatever. I don't know. I I can't really explain it, but we're on quarters. So I think we had like maybe eight weeks before spring ball. So like the first four weeks. So the first two weeks is really, you get them back, you know, cause the thing about in college is like you guys, are, you know, if you go to a bowl game, it's at the end of December, beginning of January. And so 
you get them back that first, second week in January, you're not, you're, you know, there's not really, a, you're doing a whole lot. It's not like you're right back into the weight. You got to let them recover. Um, so like that first two weeks, you know, you're just really working on like general prep stuff, you know, working on their work capacity, just doing like basic movements, um, just stuff to kind of get them prepped for the, for the work that's coming down the road. Um, and, you know, we did that for like a week. And then that second week, we just kind of slark, slowly started, you know, picking it up. And we were going four days a week. Um, we were out on the field for four days. Um, and we were lifting uh, four days. Um, so, um, so obviously, so the volume's growing because at this point, now you're starting to get them. Now you, you got to start preparing them for spring ball. You know, so now you're putting, you're incorporating things that are going to prepare them for spring football. So now you're running on the field more. Um, you're, you start doing a lot of change of direction stuff. Um, and it, it's broken down to specifics. So I'm, I'm just, but I'm just trying to give you kind of the general overview um, because we'll, we'll go down into a rabbit hole that we won't come out of if, if we start getting too specific. So, uh, so then, like I say, and then, um, you start working, you know, you start doing your speed work, you know, start, you know, you start, you start opening them up to, to uh, run greater distances. So like when we first get back, they may, we may only have them run like 10 yards. You know, you run 10 yards as, as fast as you can. Um, and the reason you do that, um, they're not going to get up to top speed within 10 yards. Um, and usually when you're at top speed, that's when you start, you know, that's when you're exposed to hamstring pulls, hip flexors and things like that. So, you want to gradually progress the distance that you're running, you know, so you're, you know, to prevent that because you, you're, you're kind of, you're trying to build up that tolerance and you're trying to, you know, stress all those tendons and those ligaments and your hamstrings and all that stuff. You're trying to, you know, you're trying to prep it for when you do get to the 20, 30 yard runs, they can open up and run and you, you know, you don't got to worry about them blowing a hamstring. You know, one thing you really, worry about in the off season is 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 a kid popping a hamstring is mm -hmm. a kid you know tearing an acl you know heaven forbid something like that those soft tissue injuries so yes uh, you talked about preparing those guys bodies for the load that they're about to have what are some things specifically that you do to 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 prepare them that those injury prevention uh movements or exercises you know to to help with things like hamstrings and and uh, knees and things like that achilles yeah nordics uh, so the Nordic hamstrings, you know, I don't know if y'all are familiar with those. I can send you a video of those. Um, those are prepared to hamstrings. They they say though the 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 stress and, and the force of, of lowering on the on the Nordic is the same as when the foot touches down and, and your recovery phase when you're running. Um, so doing Nordics, RDLs. I love RDLs. Um, uh, we do banded RDLs where you stand on a band and you got it over the bar and you're doing them. Um, so a lot of hamstring work um, to, you know, prepare them. Um, just the single leg work, the single leg work, the, the split squats, the rear foot elevated uh, split squats, all that stuff prepares them as well because you're putting force into the ankles, knees, hips. So you're, per, you know, you're preparing, you know, your body for the running when you're doing that as well. So that's a lot of, that's what we do uh, to get those, you know, those guys prepared to go out there and run. When you do have a kid that's injured, how do you handle him and in, in the weight room and 
you know, sometimes, especially with high school, we're understaffed and you get a kid and you don't really know, you know, like for us, our trainer is, is down there at some point, but then yeah. she also has classes. And so it's just sometimes it's sometimes things can slip through the cracks. How do y'all handle guys uh, who are injured and in, as far as in the weight room? Well, see, we're, we're lucky. So like one of our guys on staff is specifically dedicated to return to play guys. So he has the injured guys um, and he, you know, he coordinates with the athletic training staff. And so when they come in here to live, um, if they can't, if they cannot do what we're doing in a normal workout with, uh, without like a slight modification, then they'll go with him. Now, if they, if, if they can still do the workout, but we got to make a slight modification, then they'll work out with everybody else. Um, but the injured guys, we have a guy on staff that's specifically designated to work with um, the return to play guys. So we're lucky in that aspect. So here, here's one that, that we see a lot and we spend a lot of time with is again, it's high school and, and I'm even in the middle school in the morning. I start my day at the middle school with those guys. And so we struggle a lot or you, or you, you have to be really careful and mindful of improper technique in the weight room, mm-hmm. you know, and especially mm-hmm. when kids are young, what's the first thing they want to do? They want to throw a bunch of weight on the bar and, and, and try to, you know, uh, have, have, they have way too much weight and their, their, their technique fails. And then, that leads to a lot yep. of problems that you spend the rest of their, their yep. time, you know, the rest of their career trying yep. to fix. So how yep. do you guys, you know, I'm sure even on your level, you get guys who come to you who maybe didn't have a great uh, lifting yep. program in high school. How do you handle guys who are on all these different levels of lifting? You know, like you get them all in the room together and some of them have been lifting all their lives. Some of them not yep. so much. Some of them been doing, come from different types of, or they used to different yep. types of lifts, a lot, a lot of Olympic or, you know, whatever. So how, how do you handle all of that? Um, well, at the, at, the, at the college level, it's a, it's a little bit different. I mean, because you can pick out the guys that, you know, don't, you know, necessarily haven't been lifting a whole lot and you can kind of pull them to the side. And we're lucky enough because I think some of the guys are good enough athletes and, and have enough like spatial awareness that they can pick up on it, you know, pretty quick. But what I, I mean, I would just start like at the very, like very basic. So like if we're talking about a squat, um, I would just have them do bodyweight squats and have them have it do it at a tempo, have them go five seconds down. That way they really feel what that movement looks like or feels like and what that technique feels like. So what it feels like to, you know, keep your chest up and keep your back flat because they might not know what that feels like. You know what I mean? Like, you know, if a guy's never worked out and never squatted before, like they probably don't know what that feels like. So just constantly doing that and constantly getting them in those positions so they learn and feel like, you know, what that feels like. And and that and I feel like that's helped um, our guys. So I, I feel like if it can if it can help a, a collegiate athlete, I, I feel like it can for surely help a middle school athlete. Uh, and, and like I said, it, it may it may be with no weight. I may say, hey, you do a body weight squat. I want you to go on a five second tempo, hold it, squeeze it at the bottom, and then come back up. And again, it's just about feeling, you know, what that feels like, and then it becomes muscle memory, so to speak. You memorize what that you know what it feels like with your chest up and your back flat, sitting in the bottom of your squat. Um, so I think you got to take it back to the very simple basics, man. Like you can't be, you got to throw your ego out the door um, and, and, and go to the very basics and, and, and make sure, because once the technique is right, 
then you can, you know, you'll take off from there. But like you said, we spend, we spend sometimes, we spend most of our time trying to undo bad technique. And it, it, and, and that sometimes is harder than, you know, teaching the right technique is, 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 is getting those bad habits out and teaching good habits. Sometimes that ends up taking more time um, than just, you know, starting from, starting from scratch. Yeah, I, um, you're right. And it's, it's so tough again. And I keep saying high school coaches, cause that's, that's what I am. And yeah. a lot of guys he's listening to, but especially for us where time is such a factor, you know, we only have those guys in there yeah. for 45 minutes or whatever it is, the case may be. And so you're trying to hurry. And so it's battling that, but then it's also like, all right, it's more important to pull this kid aside and strip the bar down or even take yeah. the bar off his back yeah. and just have him do those, those, uh, those bodyweight squats. Uh, since Coach Urgelis hopped on here, I'll use a, uh, I guess the analogy is like, I don't know if you like to smoke meats, Coach, but, um, you know, like the, the the slow and slow, you know, talking about mm -hmm. the temperature, yeah, like just slow, slow cook them, you know. And I, I think that that's, uh, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, wisdom in that because um, trying to just get through there and, 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 and get those guys, you know, hey, get your set of 10 or whatever it is and their yeah. form's terrible. You're just setting them up for failure. What about, because I'm sure you have, some guys who are really strong. Um, and I want to talk to you about your defensive end who's about to go, um, who's about to go maybe, maybe, maybe first overall here and uh later this month. But when you have guys who who hit a plateau in their strength, or maybe they've even regressed, like how do you go about figuring out where the issue is and how go about fixing that? Uh sometimes it's really just you know, just changing the stimulus. So um and, and, and that can be a number of things, you know, maybe it's, you know, instead of going from a straight bar, um, you go to a neutral grip bar. I don't know if y'all got those. We call it football bar. Um, you go to a neutral grip bar um, or you go to a duffalo bar um, or instead of doing bench, maybe you go to a floor press. Um, I, I, I think you just have to, you have to change the stimulus because I think when I've done that in the past, it's usually worked. My athletes, they kind of hit a plateau. We change the stimulus. So, you know, maybe we go to dumbbell bench for two weeks. Maybe we go heavy dumbbell bench, you know, for a couple of weeks. Then we come back to the, you know, the barbell bench. Um, there's a lot of different things you can do. Um, I think you can you can start throwing eccentrics in. You can, you know, five second tempo or, you know, slow on the way down for a count. You know, coming back up. I think there's a a lot of different ways you can go if one of your athletes um, plateaus, so to speak. Um, I think you need to have a good relationship with that athlete. And they have to be willing and, you know, because, you know, just like I know they're competitors, they're going to be hard on themselves. You know, they're like, man, what's wrong with me? You know, I'm not good anymore. And it's like, that's not the case. You know, maybe we just need to change something up, you know, because your body is, you know, your body is completely adapted to what we're doing. And so there's, there's not any more gains to be made. So maybe you switch something up. Like I say, it could be something as simple as changing the bar what type of bar you bench with. Um, so, those, you know, those are just some of the things I do with some of the athletes that, that hit a plateau. Yeah, and this question comes from uh, Coach Urgelis here. He's uh, wanted to know, what are some of the best auxiliary lifts for O-line and D-linemen that, that high school coaches could add to our workouts? You know, some of us are fortunate enough to maybe either incorporate those into our main period lifts or maybe bring those kids back after school. And 
and do something. So what are some of those auxiliaries that we can use with our, or we can use to help our O-line, D-line guys specifically? Ah, uh, man, I, I, in my opinion, I feel like O-line, D-line guys can never get enough roles developing that back. Um, I, our, our guys do a lot of roles here. Um, and a lot of people don't realize, you know, the more you can roll, the more it's going to help you on your bench um, because you can support all that weight. Um, and you can't produce more force than you, you can absorb. So if you if you can roll super heavy, you know, a lot of times, and it, you know, Hick probably knows if you if you come across a guy and he can he can roll a good amount of weight, there's a good chance he's got a pretty good bench. You know what I mean? Just because, like I say, you're not you can't you can't produce more force than you can than you can absorb. So it, it rolls, man, rolls, rolls, rolls. Dumbbell rows, uh, seated rows, whatever kind of rows you can do to develop that back, man. Uh, I think that's, I think that's key for those for those big hogs in the trenches. Do you have guys, or do you have the things like, like I, you know, you always see these at clinics where they're the little pads that guys can strike or punch, or do you use any kind of? Um, yeah, yeah. We, so, we got those on our, yeah, we so got talk, those on our back of our rack. Yeah. Talk about those because I know that's been something. I think Jeremy has, they have some at their place, but. That's been a you know in the discussion of, of of whether or not we should get those. How do you guys incorporate that into your in your workout? Yeah, so um, so a guy may you know you may hit a heavy bench, you know hit a heavy heavy double, and then you rack it. As soon as you get off, you right over on the punch pad, and you're hitting that punch pad for you know however many reps, you know five or whatever. And and basically what you're doing is you're you're taking that force that you just applied in that bench, that heavy bench. Now you're striking that pad. Um, so that, and, and, and we do that a lot and that's incorporated in the workout. So, um, that's something we do pretty often. Where are you on, uh, on maxing? I know some, you know, like when I was a Jeremy, we would, we, you would take a week and, and max our guys out here. We, again, kind of for sake of time, we just sort of, we incorporate those singles into the workout and then that's kind of their new max just because, uh, again, yeah. it's a time issue. So do you guys, Take time and, you know, with, when you're the end of a, a period or whatever, end of your, your um, uh, you know, whether it's a phase or whatever it is, do you right. take time out to max or you just, you, you have them work up to singles and then. Yeah, yeah, it's it's in their working set. So, um, and, and we, we we did that before with Coach Bell where we would take a week and we, we you know, it's, it's squat day, it's max day on squat or it's max day on bench or it's max day on power. Um, with Coach Love, it's just in your working set. Um, so, you know, you, your last two sets, you know, you might be letting it rip. Um, another thing that we're fortunate um, that, we, that we get to use here, um, we have these tracking devices on the bar. It's called, you know, uh, it's called uh, velocity-based training. And so we can see how fast the bar is moving. So, you know, they say like – 0.5 and below is you're working, you're working strength. So, you know, what Coach Love may do is say, but hey, for your last two sets, um, you got to move this weight. I want you to move this weight at 0.45, you know, and so you're moving it. And if you hit it and it's 0.55, then you know you can put some more weight on there and move it to where it moves at, you know, around 0.45. And so that's essentially like maxing out. That's you're hitting that strength stimulus, so to speak. So I don't feel like you got to max out 
take a whole day to max out. And and, and I, I that's cool. I love looking at the videos, and 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 people love to do that. That's cool. Um, but like you said, when you you're, you're crunch for time, you know you, you don't really want to waste a whole day just to just to bench, just to spend on maxing on bench. Um, so we're able to throw that in there, work and set. Um, they're able to look up at their the little iPad tracker to track the bar speed. And if they're moving it at 4.5, or 0.45, then you're, you're working at strength simplest. You're almost, you're, that's basically, you're, you're, you're kind of maxing out without maxing out. So yeah, you, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. And, and I, I think um, one of the things, this is kind of, kind of switching gears here for a second, that is so key to a, a, a weight room is the juice, the energy, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I think there's nothing worse in the world than walking into a weight room and it sounds like a library, right? Right. I mean, it's right. just one of those things that's like, it's gotta be when you walk through that door, you know, you gotta, you gotta flip the switch and, and uh, bring the energy. How do you guys do that to create that energy and that enthusiasm and that juice in the weight room every day? Uh, man, we got the music bumping. Um, they got to start right here at the door and they got to get a breakdown. And, uh, they usually, I mean, they're guys, they usually get pretty hyped right in there because they, they know what's about to happen. Um, we got the music blasting. Um, and it's just a good time. Like we're, I mean, we, we have fun in here. We jump around with them. We, you know, we dance with them or whatever. And I think that's, that's important because I think your athletes need to see you in that human element. You know what I mean? Like, you're walking around all the time with a snarl on your face and they never see you smile. They never see you have fun. You know, I, I feel like you're not going to get the best out of your athletes. Um, so we, so, you know, like we, we turn up, man, you know, we, we crank the music up. We let them pick what music they want to, they want to get rocking to that day. And we roll. And uh, the thing about, you know, I work with the skill guys and, I think it's pretty well accepted in, you know, in, in, in the college world, your, your skill guys are your diva guys. So, um, you know, I, I, I kind of, I, I kind of give those, I let those guys roll a little bit. I tell them like, Hey, you know, if you do what you're supposed to do, I'm not going to micromanage you. You'd be a pro work out like a pro. I'll treat you like a pro. And that, that clicks with them like that, that resonates with them. And so I let them roll. And they like that and they work hard like that. So they, the music's blasting, their, their workouts on their rack. They, they, you know, they see what they got next. Music's rolling. They're having a good time. And, you know, it's, it's a fun day in the weight room. Do you ever get on the ox or you got someone else doing that for you? Uh, I, we, I, we let them, they have a playlist. We'll let them put their playlist on. If I put on there, I put on like some of that '90s rap. They're not gonna know it. Yeah, yeah. You, know you gotta like, throw them some Houston stuff on there or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like they, I put um. <laughs> it's funny you said that. Like I put uh, I put Mike Jones on one day, and they was like, "Coach, who is this? And why do they keep saying who is Mike Jones?" I was like, man, they, turn, back, man. Yeah. back then they yeah. didn't want me. Yeah. Yeah, now, yeah. Now I'm hot. They all over. They don't know nothing about that. Hey, so. I, I, I like because I, I usually end up being on the, on, you know, putting music on. And I think it's just because I have, I, I'm the only one that has Spotify premium. So we don't have to listen to ads between songs. And, uh, but, but I'll, I'll, I'll play all of their stuff, you know, and it's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's fine, you know, yeah. but every now and then I'll throw something in there. Like to me, 
one of the best, um, if I played baseball, this would be my walk-up song is, is Tops Drop, you know, by Fat Pat. Absolutely. And, I mean, yes, that's yeah. just a, uh, that's a, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, you know, maybe we can get that one going up there in the, in the weight room in Eugene sometime, but anyway. I'll yeah, I, put on some Fat Pat. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, and Coach Regalis is, is getting on me, but my, uh, I, I like asking about music, but anyway. Well, now, if unless these guys have any other weight room questions, I want to, I want to, you know, I, I know you're not just a strength coach, and you can talk some football with the best of them. So I was going to ask you some, some running back questions from the perspective of a defensive coach. You know, like take yeah. you back to your days as a player, and um, we're trying to game Ooh. plan against, uh, you know, against Shad Williams, and 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 trying to find a way to get a stop. And Jeremy's Jeremy's shaking his head, <laughs> saying, "Good luck." So. <laughs> All right, so uh, coach, here's the uh, here's the first question. Okay, when you're when you're playing running back, okay, what were some things that you would look uh, look for from the from the defense when determining like where you might find a crease, you might run a route, pick up a blitz, et cetera? Like, what are some things you're looking at pre-snap? Uh, a lot of the time, like I like I would watch the linebackers because I would like to see, you know, how they would flow on certain plays. Like, you know, because sometimes I. Sometimes I can find a guy, if I'm running inside zone, you can get that backside backer who's real, real anti and overrun it and you'll have a cutback. Um, so I always, I really always watch the linebackers, you know, just because I uh, want to see like, you know, does this guy, does he come downhill? You know, how's this guy going to play the league? You know, is, is he soft? Is he going to come downhill? Am I going to have to bounce it? Um, so I always looked at the, uh, the linebackers and, because they would have to blitz as well. So I knew those were going to be the guys that I'd have to pick up in blitz protection. Um, so uh, the secondary, uh, you know, I first linebackers in the secondary just kind of know what my protection would be like, in, you know, maybe a safety's going to blitz or a corner's going to blitz. You know, uh, I'd always try to pick up on tendencies like that. What was your favorite running play to run? You know, like I think offensive linemen kind of always have their like, hey, they like running the gap steam stuff because they get to pull and be out in space or whatever. What was your favorite running play to run? Oh man, we in, in high school, bro, we ran we ran the guard tackle pull 34-35 GT. I love that play. Um popped it uh first play of the game against Stevenville, my senior year when we played them in Sweetwater. Uh, we ran 35 GT, popped it for 80. Um, that was like one of our bread and butter plays. And I had some, I had some pause up front, man, that, that loved the pull. And uh, I'd just be patient, sit on their hip. As soon as they made contact, man, it was, it was, it was magical. I love that play. Yeah, that's a, uh, from, from a defensive coach's perspective, that's always a tough play because, you know, un- inevitably you're going to have a young kid who's unblocked and he runs up field and he thinks he's, you know, yep. uh, making yep. the play. And, and, um, and so he gets, he gets ear hold and, and, uh, and then Jeremy's eating his, uh, his <laughs> Jeremy's over there eating his script, uh, his, his call sheet over there and yelling at me, at the defensive line coach for <laughs> while we're, <laughs> while we're running up field. Well, so I, you talked about, you mentioned pass protection, like, you know, checking out, you know, who am I going to have to pick up in, in pass protection? You, you always hear about, especially when guys are going from college to, to, to the pros, like that's a huge thing that guys have to be able to pass protect. And obviously if you were to hang around for four years, 
you had to be pretty good at that. So what was that like? You know, you're talking about running the ball against Takeo Spikes. Now you got to go block that dude when he's blitzing. I just can't imagine like, you know, every day you're like, dude, you got to go pick up the linebacker on this pass pro. Yeah, man. I, I don't know. I, I To be honest with you, my, I, my running back coach, Eric Stoofield, I had in Buffalo. He's in Miami now. He, he's coaching the NFL for a long, long time. It's got to be over 20 years now. Uh, I'm not going to say that I was good at blitz protection. The thing about it was is that I was kind of willing to do it. Um, so, and he gave me every tool. He was like, man, you, I just need you to hang on. And so I didn't really have enough technique, man, or, or have a whole lot of technique. I was just, man, I just try to bow up and just hang on and just get a court. I, the quarterback just needs that long, you know, to throw the ball. And, uh, God, it was, it was tough, man. I, a lot of headaches. I mean, because I played at like 190. And so you got a guy that's like 250, 260 coming running full speed, the laws of physics tell you that's not going to be good, right? Um, so, I, man, I would just try to bow up. Um, I would try to pick him up earlier in the line, like, and try to, you know, try to get in between my offensive linemen and try to use my offensive linemen as, like, almost another blocker, like, maybe try to make him go one way or another, and maybe I can just, like, shove him into one of those big linemen. Um, I think that was you know, kind of one of the things that was real key is like trying to pick them up as close to the line of scrimmage as you can. Cause I mean, if those guys get a running start, get a full steam ahead, man, like it's, it's going to be a long day. Um, so um, like I said, my running back coach did, you know, gave me so little tricks and tools and things like that just to help me out, man, just to help me survive because, and it was, it, it was a tough task. I mean, like you say, you think about, trying to block Takeo Spikes coming downhill, like, that's not something that you want to do every day. No, I, I, no that's, that's, that doesn't sound like a good time at all. Well, no. who was, speaking of defensive players, who was the best defensive player besides Jeremy, of course, that you remember, no play, that you remember playing against? Oh, man, I played against some good ones, man. Uh, played against Roy Williams when he was at OU. He was good. Uh, Troy Palomalu. Troy Palomalu was, man, he was good. He was real good. Um, obviously played against Ray Lewis. Ray Lewis is Ray Lewis. Um, Richard Seymour uh, played for the Patriots. He was he was just big and could move, man. He was like 6'8", 305, like coming off the edge. Like, what? Like, and man, he just just wrecked habits. So um, James Harrison uh, for the Steelers. Um, I, I think we kind of all know what that what that dude has done. Um, so yeah, I mean, I played against some some good defensive guys, bro. When you say all those names, now it's perfectly clear why the shelf life for NFL running backs is so short. Because I'm just like, absolutely, dude. You're saying yeah. those guys are like, yeah, that's just another week. Like that's not like that's, you know, exactly. that's just. Hey, we got the Steelers this week. Next week we got the Ravens. Next week we got exactly. the Patriots. Like, exactly. exactly. Saddle up, son. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, well, yeah, yeah, the fact that you're able to uh, 
you know, have a uh, intelligent conversation and and uh, actually lead men and and uh, you know do what you do <laughs> after after going through all that is a uh, Ooh, is a testament to yourself for sure. So let, we'll we'll go back to the other side. So what was the best offensive player? Right, and obviously you can list more than one, but offensive players that you you ever played with. Who man, Marshawn Lynch. Marshawn Lynch was good. Um, he's a good dude too, man. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that about him, but Marshawn's a good dude. Uh, Eric Moles. Eric Moles played receiver for a long time. Played with him. Mm, I'm trying to see who else. Uh, Aaron Schobel. Aaron Schobel. Uh, but he's on. He's a defense. Sorry, but uh, I played with him in Buffalo. He's a Texas guy from Columbus, Texas. Um, he was good. Well, since uh, you, you, I'll, I'll let you think of some others, but since you mentioned Marshawn Lynch, like for those of us who've just seen, you know, seen him on TV, seen the press mm-hmm. conference, and seen the game, you know, we, you know, have one perspective on. But what was it like being his teammate, and what made him so good? Man, he was an awesome teammate. Like, and you know, he didn't like talking to the media. Obviously, we know that. Um, he just didn't trust a lot of people. You know what I mean? He, you know, he from Oakland had a rough upbringing. But man, in that running back room, like if if Marshawn had your back, he had your back. And he was an unbelievable teammate, man. I'm talking about helping guys out, watching film, telling them what to look for. Um, just a just a good teammate, man. And uh he worked hard in practice. He never wanted to take any, you know, if it was just if it's time to get his reps, like he wanted to get his reps. Like he he was never like. Uh, nah, let somebody else go. Like he was like, nah, man, I got to get this work. I need these reps, um, and I think that's what that's what made him so good, man. And of course, he was he was just an unbelievable competitor. He was always ready to compete. Yeah, and I I, I had heard that about him that that the guys who played with him, you know, loved him. He, he that he was a great teammate. So that's that's awesome to hear. Uh, I know that uh, he always made things interesting for sure. Coach, it's been a lot of fun talking with you. We're not quite done yet. We're going to uh, yeah. put you under the gun here for a second and ask you some uh, some rapid-fire questions and uh, have some fun here as we close this thing out. And if you guys listen in, if you have a question as well, you can you can throw one in there in the chat and we'll we'll ask it. But here's the, uh, here's the first question I have for you down the pipe. Obviously, you're still throwing weight around. You're still eating right, doing taking care of yourself. But when you do have a cheat meal, what's your favorite cheat day meal? And Coach Urgelis, you know I had to ask about food, so don't be hating on me. But what's your favorite cheat day meal uh, when you do, in fact, have one? Oh, man. Uh, probably tacos, like some kind of Mexican food. <laughs> like, I'm a, I'm, a, I, you know, I'm a sucker for Mexican food. So uh, probably tacos, man. Um, I haven't found, like, some... You know, West Texas tacos, that's different. But, you know, I found a couple of little hidden spots up here that's got some good tacos. So that's probably my go-to cheat meal when, when it's time to cheat on the meal. Yeah, West Texas, you know, you go to a gas station and there's little ladies rolling out tortillas in the back. You Absolutely. know, And, and I, of course, you can go and get you a good all-sips fried burrito. Uh, oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that I'm sure if that if that if it was anywhere in Eugene, those people would, wouldn't know what, what to do with that thing. No, um, they, they don't know what a chimichanga is. Or, yeah. <laughs> so here's a Texas food question. If you're going back to if you're going back home, what's what are you going to first, Tex-Mex or barbecue? Probably Tex-Mex. Probably, yeah, probably Tex-Mex. 
All right. All right. Fair enough. No one's no, no, uh, no, no pushback from me okay. on that one. Okay. Um, Nobody's booing me. Nobody booing me. Nobody no, booing no one, me. no one's booing you. No one's booing okay. you on that one. Okay. Uh, okay. I actually had Mexican food tonight. So, um, yeah. I, I would be a hypocrite if I did that. All right. So, <laughs> uh, when you're in the weight room and you're lifting for yourself, like what's your favorite lift to do personally, or maybe it's a body part or, you know, a, a body or a muscle group, what, whatever it is, what's your, what's your favorite thing to do in the weight room? Uh, my favorite uh, to do is it's been cleans, uh, hand clean, power cleans, just because I just I feel like it's an athletic movement. Um, it, you get a lot of bang for your buck um, out of that movement. So, um, and of course, I like to I like to try to tell myself that I'm still athletic. So, why not try to do athletic lifts? Yeah, I like it. Well, you know, Jeremy probably wouldn't say this, but uh, I saw in his. Uh, you know, his uh, maybe it's his Facebook or Twitter that he was he was throwing up 425 on squats this morning. So, oh, yeah, your oh, boy, yeah. your, your boy's still uh, he, he's yeah. still moving, moving up, moving the iron around a little bit. I over love there. it. I so, love it. And, and, and yeah, we we uh, we spent a lot of time in the weight room when when uh, when I was in Kerrville lifting in the, in the mornings. But uh, anyway, those are some good times. So, here's your next question for you weight room pet peeves, like I, you know whether it's with kids oh. or things that, that guys do probably coming in. You don't get this, but kids coming in with Crocs or, you know, the Hey Dude shoes. I don't know if they wear those in Oregon, but I would say improper footwear is a, is a pet peeve of mine. What's your uh, weight room pet peeves? People that don't put their stuff, rack their weight. That hurts that me, bro. <laughs> I, like, put, put your stuff back up. If you got it out and put it on the bar, Take it back off the bar and put it back up. It's not that hard. I, that is like my biggest pet peeve is people who don't put their stuff up uh, after they get done working out. I, you, you mean there's not like, you don't have like magical weight room fairies that come in and just magically put all the stuff back? I mean, because no. apparently that's what, that's what a lot of kids think, that it's just. That's exactly, that's what they, exactly, that's what they think. They think it's just somehow just going to get, magically yeah. get put back up. Like, yeah. Man, you, uh, you put all that that way back up. Yeah, that's yeah. that's by far my biggest pet peeve. All right. Well, when we talked earlier about you know playing in the Rose Bowl and some other things that you've been, what's your favorite college environment uh, to visit? You know, when you when you Ooh. go on visits on your schedule, uh, and maybe it's a place you played non-conference or it's a bowl game, but what you got? Bro, man. So I played at LSU. I played a night game at LSU, Death Valley. Unbelievable. And I played a night game at Tennessee. Unbelievable. I'm talking about uh, LSU. They had a live tiger by our locker room, like a legit live tiger. Yeah. By yeah. our locker room. Uh, it was a night game. Tennessee, I think it was like 107,000. Uh, just unbelievable atmosphere. Um, Kyle Field, a and that's, that's an unbelievable environment. Um, coaching wise, uh, Ohio State. We played Ohio State last year. That was a pretty, that was a, that was an awesome environment. Um, and uh, the Rose Bowl environment was unbelievable as well. So, um, yeah, those are, yeah, those are, I, those are the places. I had a chance to go to the Rose Bowl uh, six or seven years ago, and and that that's an unbelievable environment and stadium and. Uh, it's, you know, have the trees, you know, growing up around mm -hmm. it. And, yeah. uh, you know, I didn't know when you walk in, you know, you're, 
when you walk into the stadium, you're about halfway up the stadium, you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, it's kind of down in the ground. So, yeah. um, so that was pretty cool. Okay. Well, no. So, so I mentioned uh, Kayvon Thibodeau kind of in passing earlier. Uh, he's going to be drafted later on this month. I'm putting you on the clock here. Put your Todd McShay, Mel Kuyper Jr. hat on. Where is he? Where is he landed? What do you think? I mean, to me, he's like, I mean, he's a top five pick to me. I mean, just because you turn on the tape and you've seen what he's what he does. Um, uh, he's strong. He's powerful. He's quick. Um, he's a student of the game. Like he he play. He's so good about playing the game in his head before he even gets on the field. And he's already got, and he's watched film on who he's going against, and he's already got like three or four moves that he already knows he's going to go to to counter whatever this guy's going to do. Like he's he's that much of a student of the game, and uh, he's man, he's he's uh, he's he's explosive. Um, he's fast. He's powerful. He's strong, um, and he and he works hard too. Like. He comes in the weight room. He's challenging other people to, you know, hey, man, put some more weight on the bar. Let's go. Or, hey, come on. Let's go pick it up when we're running. Like, he's, you know, he's a leader. Um, and you know what they, you know, y'all know it just like I know it. Um, when your best players are the hardest workers, that's that's when you got a chance to to have, to have something real special. And, and he was definitely that. He was definitely that. I don't know if, have you, have you given him any advice about, what to expect in the NFL? I'm sure he has a ton of people in his ears. Yeah, so. yeah. No, it, it, anytime I've talked to Kayvon, we just we just talk, and I, I think he just he appreciates the fact that you know I don't ever try to give him advice that he he hasn't asked for. Um, I think he just appreciates the fact that you know I I, I love Kayvon just you know for being Kayvon. If he, you know if Kayvon never played another snap of football, I'm still gonna love Kayvon um, because you know he's been good to me. Um, what he's done for this program, um, the way he led here in the in the weight room and out on the field. Um, so I, I think he just appreciates this the just the conversation, you know, without trying to ask anything about you know what's going on with this or what's going on with that. We just we just talk and you know talk about life, and I think he he, he appreciates that. Yeah, I think that's important, and that that kind of reminds me when when. For us as high school coaches, when you do, when you are fortunate enough to have those kids who are getting highly recruited, and you know, sometimes that, that people are always there's no there's no shortage of people who are there to you know, tell them what they think they need to be doing, right. giving them advice. Right. And I think it's especially as their coaches, they just need someone who they they can just talk to, you know, yeah. and they don't they don't it's not trying to get their hand in their pocket or yeah. you know has to have ulterior motives. So, so I think that's really important, and that's that's awesome. Well, Coach, I, uh, I I really enjoyed our conversation. I feel like we can keep on keep on rolling and, and talk into the uh, into into late night. But we got things going on. Now you got things going on, and um, and and got some kids to get home to and all that. So we'll let you go. And so I just want to tell you, appreciate you so much, and and uh, thank you for joining us. I want to wish you and the Ducks the best of luck in twenty twenty two. Hey, man. Uh, like I said before, man, I I appreciate you. Asking me to come on. I mean, I, like I said, I know you could ask a lot of a lot of people. Um, so the fact that you asked me, um, and 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 Hickman, you know, said enough good things to you uh, for you to want to ask me. Um, I'm I'm truly grateful, man, and very humbled, and um, I, I'm glad I could be a part of it.
Thanks again to Coach Williams for coming on the podcast and bringing it today. Uh, if you want to give him a follow on Twitter, you should. You can find him at CoachShad21. That's at Coach S-H-A-U-D 21. Uh, give him a follow and let him know you heard him here on KYPD. You should also give us a follow if you're not already doing so. You can find us at KYPD Podcast. And if you have any suggestions for future episodes, then feel free to reach out by sending us a DM or you can send us an email to kypdpodcast at gmail.com. Our quote of the day goes like this. Stay away from negative people. They have a problem for every solution. And with that, we will get on out of here. Be sure to go and give us a five-star rating and leave us a review if you're liking what you're hearing. And then join us right back here next week for episode number 131 where we get to scratch another state off of our list. We welcome on next week's guest. So until then, have a great week. Whatever you're doing, go and get after it. But before we go, Coach Williams has one more thing for you guys. What you got for him, Coach? This is Shaw Williams signing off. Keep your pads down.